When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Hello folks, welcome to another edition of Race Control around Australia and New Zealand on SEN, the app, or SENZ, the app, wherever you are in this country. It's another two hours of non-stop motorsport, just gone 7 o'clock. Stephen McIver and Greg Murph in their house, wherever you are. G'day Murph, how are you buddy? Uh, good evening mates. Yes, uh, I'm good, thank you. Very good. Hey look, I've just been looking at uh, the Road and Cars official Instagram page, right? And they've just posted these three images of that. You know, we talked about uh, the F-Zero, their sort of hyper, super, ridiculously cool looking car. Have you seen the pictures of this thing? It looks like something out of the future. It is unbelievable. Uh, it didn't. Uh, I haven't looked much today <laughs> at uh, my uh, Instagram, and uh, I do follow those guys, so um, I'm keen to have a little look. Yes, oh, there mate, it is. Look mate, at that. Mate, yeah, how, look, how cool look, is, look at well, that. Isn't that unbelievable? If you go onto Road and Cars official oh, on Instagram, goodness I know we man. saw this car two years ago in its rawest form, right? And it wasn't even close well, to that. It, now it looks well, like it something out of the raw. future. Wow. Well, well, that's what it looked like when we saw the initial drawings. I mean, it's um, but now, I mean, that is a a very clever <laughs> yeah. digital and you know sort of creation of it, which um, oh, man, puts that's... it very much in perspective of what uh, David Dicker and his uh, bunch of merry men and women down in Wire what they're up to. That is just daggering. That is going to th- set the world on fire to think when um, you're going to drive that comes it. out. No, no, he hasn't said I can drive that. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He did. No, he did. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. said if he couldn't get his drivers, you could drive it. He last week. No, oh. that's the FZ. That's the FZ. Oh, mate, you know. You, look, you will wangle your way into driving. You're the not F- listening. No, no, I am listening, and I know for a fact you will be doing as much as you can to drive that car, and he will let you drive it. And 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 fair play to you. I agree. You should drive it. But, oh, well, well, thanks for your, thanks for your vote of confidence there. Well, as well, I'm just giving you some backs of summer along the way. In the next two hours, I get some some votes of something. Anyway, just before we get to our first interview, don't forget tonight, as it has been for the last week, your chance to win that Repco Bathurst 1000 Man Cave Pack. All you got to do is call us anytime and tell us who's supplying the pack. On 0800 150 but also just talk to us. Just come and talk to us about what we are yarning about, okay? That's the whole idea. $800, Merv. Merv got excited last week. Was there a dartboard in there? There was a dartboard and, and Mate, seats. Mate, there's all sorts of stuff in there. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an incredible prize pack of all sorts of man cave style items. Uh, which I'll bring up, and then we'll talk about that later okay. when I uh, f- 
find out um, <laughs> exactly what was on the list. <laughs> you when yeah. you bring it up on the computer. All right, time right now, That's 7.03. Uh, there's been lots of goings on at uh, Ampole Red Bull Racing and Supercars. We're back racing tomorrow at City Motorsport Park. One of the key changes is that Brock Feeney, a few weeks ago, announced as the replacement for Jamie Winkup. Well, his, his engineer is going to be a Kiwi in the name of Martin Short, a bit of a motor car racer himself, actually, race car driver himself. Yeah. But he's going to engineer him, and that's his call. And he's at City Motorsport Park right now. G'day, Martin. How are you? Hey, Stephen. Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Greg's on the other line as well, so you can say hello to him as well. Hi, oh, g'day, Nath. How's it going? Hey, Marty. Good to talk to you, brother. Hey, um, let's, yeah, yeah, let's let's get on with this because it's it's exciting. A key winner in a really key position. I'm gonna I'm gonna right from the get go, Matt. I'm gonna ask this question: Being a race car driver, and you are, but but also now being an engineer, what benefits does that give you? Understanding what's going on in the car to help the driver out. Um, well, yeah, I guess um, being involved in racing my my whole life, I've kind of got a good understanding of what the car feels like and what kind of the changes feel like as well. So when a driver describes a problem, I guess I resonate that a little bit more than most engineers that haven't been behind the wheel before. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, a good advantage to have. And I think that's why um, over the past three weeks, three years I've been quite successful with, um, yeah, going up the ranks in Red Bull. So, yeah, I'm pretty lucky to have that experience behind me. Mate, um, when did this start to be suggested when did you find out that this might be happening when was the chat around uh, david couchy's uh, departure um from the from the team as well i mean when did that all start to come together for for you um you know to to look at possibly being an engineer in the main game uh for one of um you know the red bull holden racing team cars oh it's not yeah, Hol- um, um, holden anymore sorry <laughs> yeah no, at the end of last year um, we had a chat, and the idea was if Brock did a good job and I did a good job um, this year as well, then um, there might be a chance for me at the end of the year to get promoted into that position. Um, but, yeah, I've kind of just been working hard and um, doing our best. And then about three weeks ago, RD came up to me and asked me um, if I wanted to do it, and I said absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I hadn't I'd heard maybe some rumours about Couchy leaving. Um, didn't know what he was doing, but... Um, yeah, it was a, a, a nice surprise when I got the call up and, yeah, really looking forward to the opportunity to engineer Brock. So here's the question I need to ask on, on behalf of fans that don't understand what the engineer does. What do you do on a, a weekly and daily basis and race day basis and how important is the relationship between the engineer and the driver? Oh, I think the relationship's probably... Um, really important I th- like even when i was growing up racing the engineer like relationship driver like relationship was um kind of like a family really you kind of had to trust each other um get on well with each other to to kind of yeah make progress and um yeah so that that relationship i think is very important um day to day i do a bit of everything so i I'm not only engineering the Super 2 car this year, but I'm engineering a GT car as well. Um, and then back to the workshop, I do a lot of system stuff, all of our network, um, and a little bit of design as well. So, yeah, my, my role is quite varied. I don't really have the same day-to-day. I, yeah, change a lot. Mate, um, 
when you skipped over the ditch and and uh, got the role there at, uh, at Triple Eight, was 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 this role, was this job, uh, the one that you were striving for? Was this this on the bucket list of where you wanted to be? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, race engineer at uh, um, such a great team as Red Bull was kind of a dream job and. When I first applied um, for the data systems engineer position, I, I honestly did not think I'd get a call or anything. It was like such a, a big step. Um, and I know that thousands of people try to apply for their role. So I was um, yeah, really shocked when Dada gave me a call, I think it was a day or two later, and um, we organised the interview, I think, within the week, and then I had to move over about two weeks after that. So... Yeah, it was um, wow. uh, yeah, very big surprise. And but yeah, this this was definitely the goal. This had become a, a main series race engineer with such an awesome team. Well, well, being a, a main engineer also comes with the, the pressure on it. And I'm always intrigued. Data they talk about in in this world we live in now is critical. How important do you think data is? on a race weekend and, and how much do you really gain from it and when and, and when do you get to the point of going you know what there's got to be a gut feel in here as well as things unfold in a race yeah definitely and I think um, there's a lot of engineers now that focus a lot on data and I think coming from a racing background like yes data is very very important and like Shane Jamie and Brock are very um, going to in extreme detail of looking at the data and stuff like that. But um, sometimes when the driver's explaining a feeling and the data doesn't always match that, sometimes you've got to take a stab and trust the driver. Sometimes it doesn't always work. But, um, yeah, there's still um, you've got to trust the da- driver sometimes, not not just looking at the squiggly lines. Tell us, um, tell us about Brock Feeney. Uh, what a amazing young man um, and at such a young age uh, taking the reins of of one of these main game cars uh, for 2022. Um, you've been up and close and personal with him, um, as you say, with Super 2 and, and bits and pieces. Tell us what uh, sets him apart from from others and why, uh, you know, he deserved to um, to have this, this drive. Yeah, um, I hadn't really met Brock before um, this year and I wasn't really sure how I would get on and, um, yeah, what he was like as a driver as well. I hadn't really been following him too closely. But um, the one thing that's impressed me the most about him is his um, attitude and his work ethic. Um, he is, like, he, he reminds me a lot of Shane when I was working with Shane, very focused on um, learning or like studying the data before the races and putting in the hard effort before and all the prep before you go into a race weekend. Um, and he's also come from a background of, of bikes and has dad raced bikes and he's driving a lot of different cars, XLs, um, 86s, just all sorts of different cars and he can hop into anything and, and be fast. So he reminds me a lot of Shane. Um, he's really, really fast, obviously. So... Yeah, I think his work ethic and um, attitude has been the big standout for me as long as, as well as being uh, extremely fast. 
when it comes to data, I want to go back to the data the data thing. Do you find some drivers, or have you seen drivers, some drivers rely too much on data and become obsessed with it and actually is detrimental to their performance? Um, I haven't really worked with too many drivers that are, I think have gone too much into data. Um, I think Shane's probably a classic example of looking at the data probably more than anyone. Um, I heard Jamie was a lot like that um, in his previous days before I was at Triple Eight, but he also is very into his data. Um, and then Lounsey was kind of the opposite, um, but he was still very fast as well. So, yeah, I haven't really worked with someone that I think um, is focusing on like too much on the data that, um, yeah, is detrimental to them. Uh, mate, this weekend we're back. Uh, racing. Uh, I can only imagine what that feels like for, for everybody to be let loose and back on the racetrack. Uh, Sydney Motorsport Park and to deliver four race meetings back to back. What's the vibe like there today and um, what, are you, what are you expecting? What are you expecting over the weekend? Yeah, I mean it's kind of weird for me because I haven't been travelling with the Red Bull team um, the whole year but um, JJ our technical director is very busy on Gen 3, so he can afford to be away for such a long time. So, yeah, I got the call up, and um, I'm excited to be back. The whole team's excited to be back racing. Um, so, yeah, we're just pumped getting ready um, for the for the four weeks in a row. It's going to be a good time, and hopefully we're fast, and, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go. Hey, is it true that we're back in your racing days, <laughs> back in your racing days, you were, you were the first to win in the V8 Toyota Camry? In the, that sort of uh, yeah, yep, um, yeah. When the new generation is on V8 came, I think I won the first race, um, which was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, no, I was, I was, of course it's pretty cool. I mean, I was just doing some homework. Yeah. In fact, your dad rang me up today and said, mate, did you know this? Did you know Formula Ford champion, <laughs> Formula Ford champion, raced against the likes of Nick Cassidy, Mitch Evans, yeah. Richie Stanaway. I yeah. mean, is there a part of you that goes, gee, I wish I could still be racing? Oh, absolutely, and um, yeah, I still miss it, but I've been lucky enough that my dad's got a couple of race cars in New Zealand, so I managed to get back to New Zealand um, mid this year and do a couple of races, which was which was awesome, and yeah, I keep reminding RD that um, my helmet's always on my desk if he needs me, so <laughs> who knows, who knows. What, what's the feeling around, <laughs> sorry, Murph, go. No, no, I was going to say, I, I, I got a feeling you, you, yeah, your dad would very much still like you to be uh, racing, mate. And, and uh, I have no doubt that if you, you got the opportunity, you'd, um, you know, prove to the boys that you, you still got the goods. Um, uh, what? Just tell me a little bit. Uh, what's happening with Super Two uh, coming up? When, when are they next on track? Uh, so Super Two uh, next back on track for the fourth round of S and P. So I'll be fourth doing round. the first three, right. yeah, with Red Bull, and then I'll be switching over. So. It's, I think it's going to be a good benefit for me to be here and see what's happening and how the cars are developing and how the track's developing um, so I can take that experience into the second thrust, last round of Super 2 as well. So that should be good. There must be a, just a, a great feeling of relief washing over yeah. the supercars camp, right? Getting back to racing just having, and just having some fun again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's been a long time. We've been lucky enough to... In Queensland, we haven't been locked up, so we've done um, a few test days in the super cheap, uh, super cheap auto car for the wild card, and um, we've also done one or two test days in the Super 2 as well. So we've still been busy, but 
um, there's nothing like going racing. So I'm really looking forward to going back racing. So I, I just give us a little bit of a, just on the quiet. Uh, give us uh, your update on, on how um, Russell Ingle is going in the Super Cheap Car and his prep for the wild card. Just give me, give me a little bit of insider information, Marty. I won't share it with anybody. Come on. <laughs> no, listen, he's, he's been doing actually a really good job. Oh. Um, he's, he's very consistent. He's not quite as quick as Brock, but he's very consistent in his um, race runs. He's within a couple of tenths every lap, so that's been... Um, yeah, really good to see, and um, he's done plenty of laps now, so hopefully um, yeah. you and Richie get a chance to fall back to, to get some laps, but, yeah, he's, well, he's I can, I can, I can tell, you, to... tell you, Marty, if we don't get some laps before Bathurst, we won't be doing Bathurst, that's for sure, <laughs> and uh, at the moment, yeah. at the moment, it, um, our, uh, the government over here is not moving very fast, and I'm, I'm losing confidence yeah, okay. quite quickly. All righty. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's his issue, Marty. We'd love him to be over there because I see Erebus have got – they've got a racing kangaroo to match up with his racing Kiwi on uh, their yeah. Bathurst car. So lots to look forward to. Mate, thanks for giving us your time. Have an awesome weekend. And uh, we look forward to you getting getting down and dirty in uh, 2022 with Brock Feeney and, and producing some results. Awesome. Thank you guys very much. Good on you, man. This is Race Control. That was Martin Short, the Kiwi, that's right, Kiwi engineer for Brock Feeney, who will replace the GOAT, Jamie Winkup, at Ampol Red Bull Racing in 2022. It's 7.16. Now, if you want the chance to be in the draw to win that $800, that's right. Come uh, on, We people. don't muck around here on Race Control. $800 no. worth of Bathurst 1000 man cave Do you goodies. Want Do you want a list of what's in it? Yeah, go on, go for it. Mate, there is a spark plug, a spark plug, a spark, plug. spark plug clock. I'll get it out there. There is a uh, a bottle top drop game. You know one of those boards and you drop the bottle top and you get points. There's no. dart boards. There's seats. <laughs> yes, you do. No, you don't. There's uh, vintage Bowser bottle opener wall sign. There's uh, there's beer pong tables. Yeah, I well, mean, it's every there's everything. Yeah, Everything's uh, there that you need to put in your shed. So when the missus kicks you out, come Bathurst weekend, coming up in a few weeks' time, you'll be more than happy to <laughs> sit there by yourself drinking coldies on your own. All right, 717. You know the number. Do it now, okay? Here's come your on. chance. 0800 150811. We want to hear for you, from you, and also... Are you excited about uh, the boys back in town at Sydney Motorsport tomorrow? Well, get onto it. This is Race Control on SENZ. Oh. oh, yeah. Come on now. 722 on Race Control of Stephen McIver and Greg Murphy. And your chance to be a winner with our good friends at Repco, that $800 Bathurst 1000 Man Cave Pack is up for grabs. Just if you call us, tell us who's supplying the prize pack and talk a bit of motorsport with us. 0800 150 Rhino. G'day, Josh. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Stephen. How are you going? Mate, we are good. So the first question for you, who's supplying the $800,000 Bathurst Man Cave Pack? Eight hundred thousand dollars. Sorry, Stephen. yeah, eight hundred. Eight hundred thousand. Sorry, yeah. The, Holy uh, moly! I, I didn't mixed... know it had exploded. <laughs> I didn't know it had gone to such uh, a big price. Uh, this... We can't give it away. <laughs> Sorry, the eight hundred dollar Bathurst one thousand price pack, Josh. Who's 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 supplying that to us? 
Uh, Repco. Good answer. Right answer. You are in. You are in the draw. Uh, anything you want to talk about supercars with them starting tomorrow? Oh no! I'm just sad. It's good to have them back. It's felt like a long time. Um, a shame I can't be over there to see it in person. It felt like a long time we've been at the side of a racetrack, though. Uh, so uh, you've been to a few races, mate. As uh, you followed around a little bit, you've been into been to Australia to any of the races. Yeah, not to Bathurst, unfortunately. I might have got to Sydney Motorsport Park in 2013, I think, was once I was there. And then for right. Chloe, of course, watching you over the years. Um, so I'm desperate to get back cool. at some point soon. Um, oh. Luckily, the Grand Prix at the start of the year was like the one reprieve since the start of COVID that we got to go to the side of the track. Oh, man. Cool. Yeah, it's it's been tough for everybody. Hey, uh, do you have a current, current favourite supercar driver? Oh, it'd have to be Shane this year. It's always good to support someone who's winning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on a minute. What do you mean this year? I mean, do you, do you, where's your loyalty? Just because he's winning? So, so what if so? Right. J- Jamie was winning last year. You'd be he'd be your favourite. Well, it was Scott last year. Then he <laughs> went over that, went over the state. So then jumped to Shane. It's quite convenient. Well, that's all right. Uh, that's all right. Uh, it's convenient uh, that we've got two. Uh, you know, Got such great Kiwis racing in supercars. You got a, have you got a man cave, mate? If you win this prize, uh, is all the gear going to be able to go somewhere special? Yep, yeah, I've got a little room with a racing sim that so that can go around that. Oh, so it'll nice. go nicely. Oh, okay. You threw that now one in. Talking. You got your racing now sim. All right, buddy. Thanks for bringing the Bathurst. <laughs> bringing the Bathurst. <laughs> hey, Joshua, uh, keep listening. You never know. By the end of the evening, you could be walking away with that eight hundred thousand, eight hundred dollar Bathurst one thousand prize pack. See you, buddy. Oh, man. Uh, 7.25. Big news, not unsurprising news today. Uh, Supercars uh, have been sold to this new consortium called Race, Racing Australia Consolidated Enterprises, uh, and they'll have a a team's racing charter. What do we make of this, Murph? All the the big guns are saying, yep, it's great. Obviously, they're going to get a a cut of the, the cash, but how do you see it going? Listen, it's it's a it's a big deal. It's um, taken a fair bit of time to work this all out. There's a, a few different people involved in it, but from what I hear from a few people that do uh, have a very close understanding of what's going on, they believe it's a very good structure, uh, some very good people, and the plan for the future um, that is has been touted uh, means that supercars will will yeah will flourish and and um, be pushed on in, into the future to make it bigger and better than what it is and and there's some big names in there I mean Gary Rogers has uh, still got a part to play with that whole deal at the moment and effectively at the end of it all um, this uh, race consortium hmm. is um, is going to end up taking over a whole bunch or all the support categories and everything as well so it's it's a uh, there's some interesting articles around about it. if you want to know a little bit more in detail then uh, just head to uh, Speed Cafe or the Supercars website and and um, and have a look and Good. and see if you can sort of make uh, make here or there of, of what it all sort of means. I mean, the de- more detail will come out in the future about it all. But um, the best thing about it for me is that the teams have agreed to hand over any kind of say on control. I mean, they'll still have a say, but it won't be um, they won't be able to veto or be in, in charge of making those decisions. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing moving forward for the category. They had 35% of the pie. I just have to ask one question because this sort of raised a red flag, and I know you've always sort of questioned this, but Tim Edwards from Tickford said, the sport's in a very healthy state. Is that, a, is that too sweeping a statement? Do you believe it's in a healthy state? 
I find that uh, an interesting statement. I mean, well, that's a quote from today. For, yeah, and I, I think based on on where the teams currently sit, and, and we, you know the fact that they haven't been doing a lot of uh, racing, um, and the revenues are down, all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't say it's a massively healthy state in that respect. I think uh, they they obviously know a lot of the detail about who's taking over and and who's going to be in charge and who's going to be running it. So that's probably that comment is mainly uh, could be based on a little bit of what the, they see as the future. Um, but I think it has huge potential. Absolutely yeah. has massive potential yeah. to to still grow. And 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 funnily, funny that um, Tim Edwards, Tim Edwards would, would say that um, it will grow because the teams don't have to have that uh, opportunity to put the fingers in the pie and stir ah. it up and, and actually slow things down. So, and he and Tim's been one of those that's uh, been on the board and had control in those areas for a very long time. So, um, uh, listen, if they're all talking like that, it is very positive. And uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. That's what I wanted to hear you say. I, we got there in the end because I knew you've been holding that opinion for a long, long time. So that's important. 7.28, stay with us. Our supercar chat continues in just a moment with a man that's going to a new team, Nick Perkett. The Dunlop Super Dealer entry comes out of the final corner. Nick Perkett grabs gears. He looks in the mirror. And what great success for Perkett at Sydney Motorsport Park. He wins our second race this weekend for the BP Ultimate Sydney Super Sprint. 7.32, that was Nick Perkett at the winning race eight at Sydney Motorsport Park in 2020. He also won race 11. That was the last time, Murph, that he won a race. But the big and not unsurprising news this week was the fact that he has signed a multi-year deal with a, a team he was that has done a lot for him, and that was uh, Walkinshaw Racing, and he's gone to Walkinshaw Andretti United. Yeah, absolutely. His, um, his career started way back there. You know, he was supported through Formula Ford and... Um, and then into, obviously, Dunlop Super 2 Series, all sorts of stuff all the way through. He won Bathurst with the Holden Racing Team with Garth Tander back in 2011. So, um, you know, he's, he's, got a, he's got a history with them, no question, and, and they know him, and Ryan Walkinshaw and Martin Walkinshaw, who own the team, um, know him really well. I mean, it was quite ironic, actually, uh, that, uh, you know, this announcement came through, and then also we didn't mention it when we were talking to Martin Short a minute ago, but... Um, uh, Nick's engineer, Andrew Edwards, who's been at uh, Brad Jones Racing for a very long time, very clever guy, uh, he is moving to uh, Red Bull Ampole Racing uh, at the end of the season two to work with Shane Van Gisbergen. So BJR, um, losing a driver, losing an engineer, um, out the door they go. Um, but there's been so many changes, hasn't there? Well, well, uh, uh, People well, coming and going. Brad Jones Racing, I think they've just about cleared the, uh, the decks there and, <laughs> and um, it's, it's all turned around. Um, you know, so there's, there's been a huge amount of news. So hopefully um, we will get Nick um, on the Yeah, we're just, we're just struggling for a moment because I know they're all uh, there piling up with the things. So uh, Bryce, well, Ful- actually, Bryce, Bryce Fullwood. So he's just... Sorry, mate. Uh, I'll going just give to BJR as well. So, yeah, but just give me a sec there. Uh, he's uh, they are obviously at Sydney Motorsport Park at the moment, um, and he's with us now, preparing for the weekend. Is he on the line? He is on. Nick Perkett, good evening to you. Hey, how are we going? Yeah, this is Stephen, and you know the other bloke on the other 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 end. That'll be Murph. Greg. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Hello, mate. Hello, how, how, how are you? I'm good. Just walking the, the famous Sydney Motorsport Park circuit. What's Are you doing it now? Yeah, right now. We're at the last corner. Wow. You got any tips? Uh, yeah, well, no, I haven't been there for a little while, mate. Um, the last corner there, you know, it's a, it is a left-hander. That's pretty much all I know. <laughs> it's, a, 
It does go left. You're correct. What's uh, what? <laughs> don't run. Don't run too wide. Don't run too wide on the exit, Nick. Yeah, no, you need to come up square. Get a good run down the front straight. Yeah. Oh wow. Hey, hey, what what uh, layout are you running for the this weekend? Or are you going to run several layouts, different layouts this weekend, or just the uh, one? We're on the one, the normal, the traditional circuit. We're on that every single one. All four events are on the same one. But they're just changing the formats and the timing of the races and the tyres that we're using. So they're making the just changing up with, through the what they can control with tyres and formats and stuff like that, rather than changing the circuit. Hey, mate, um, thanks for your time, though. I mean, big news this week, clearly, and uh, you've sort of been alluding um, over the last few weeks about the change, leaving Brad Jones Racing at the end of the season and heading back to somewhere that uh, you know very, very well at uh, Walkinshaw Andretti United. Um, must be exciting. Yeah, it is um, very exciting. I'm actually, you know, obviously I was there um, quite a while now, but um, when you know, we were both co-drivers and then, um, 2014 did my debut there in the main game but yeah a lot, a lot of that team's changed now which is probably the reason it kind of lured me back in I wasn't interested in going to a team with four cars um, I'm, I'm just always two cars pushing the same direction and you know only focus is um, is winning so um, yeah I've kind of just been really stalking them out for like 18 months to seeing how they're going and once I saw Chaz re-signed again um, I thought you know what he's got a lot of faith in what they're doing, so I'll uh, give them a call, and, and here we are. Four months, five months later, signed on for a few years, and, and ready to go. Well, congratulations on that one, Nick. Well, I've got to ask you this question though, because it's a it's a confirm or denial. Did this really happen? Did you actually have a handshake deal with BJR, which was reported, and then suddenly pull the pin? Did you actually have a deal? Yeah, I had. A, yeah, I had a deal. Um, yeah, we we hadn't even gone through the finer details of said deal there was no duration on how long I'd be there and all that stuff but yeah we'd spoken about it and then you know I just literally <laughs> woke up one morning and thought I don't you know the I guess the direction of how the how it was going and a few things I thought you know what well, wasn't to how I would what I wanted to be involved in I thought, thought you know what I want I want to change and it was that wasn't anything wrong with what I guess Brad and the team were doing it was more I, like I said, I wanted to be in a two-car team, you know, um, and kind of trying to predict what's going to happen with Gen 3. So, um, yeah, look, not ideal, but um, with how, you know, unfolded with Brad, but, you know, there's obviously a lot that goes on in the background. And then, yeah, I got into um, Bruce Stewart at Walkinshaw and Jordan United and, and just really just wanted to see if there was even an opportunity, um, um, as I wasn't sure what forwards deal was and um, yeah luckily there was and um, kind of nutted out a deal and you know, I spoke to Brad and you know it was like a two month conversation with Brad to even get out of that arrangement with him and you know at the end of the day for me it was if you don't you know if it be me or Brad if we both don't believe in it 100% it's not going to work and that was the biggest thing for me it wasn't a personal decision against him or the team it was there's something in, inside me that said I need to I need to change. Well, there must have been a must have been a hell of a dream you woke up from that morning to um, <laughs> to you know decide that that was a change. And, and personally, mate, I mean, I you know how much I uh, you know am a fan of your work and and believe in what you're capable of doing. I mean, I I was really 
really pleased. I mean, straight away when you announced that you were leaving BJR, you know, um, I, we all we all looked at the opportunity of what was available, and and um, you know, WAU at the time was was maybe not on that list fully, but um, became apparent quite quickly. And I, I think that's awesome for your future. I mean, yes, the BJR model is a four car. It, it's it's not one of those you know teams that we see at the top of the the picking order all the time. Um, you've had you've had a few good results there, but. You know, someone like you needs more than that. And, and was that just part of it, that you just knew that you needed to make that break to to actually go and chase what you know you can achieve on a more regular basis? Yeah, it um, sums up pretty well. You know, that was a big thing of it. You know, obviously, you know, my career quite well from the junior days and being with the Walking Trot group. And, um, you know, they plucked me out of Aussie racing cars when I was racing those. And then we went through Australian Formula 4 with Sonic and stuff and dominated through there and, one in Super 2, um, you know, one lot of races there and one in Porsche Carrot Cup. So it's, it was something, the, I guess the big thing for me was waking up and saying, you know, I don't want to be 7th to 12th. I want to be 1st to 4th. It's what I've always done and I've always tried to put myself in the best position to achieve that. And that's why I said, you know what, I'm going to, I don't know, <laughs> grow some balls, I guess, and you know, had that conversation with Brad and, um, that's how I've come to it. It was just a pure desire and drive and fire and ability to be um, alongside someone like Chaz, who's exceptionally good, um, and also in a place where all they care about is winning. And I'm not saying BJ don't, but I think the opportunity um, with you know Ryan Morganshaw, yeah. Zach Brown, the Andretti Group, like I think it's a Hopefully the place to be. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I could have driven with Brad until I was forty, but here we are. Yeah, well, well, the one thing Nick is we we like on race control, we like a guy that's got big cajones, and it, it must be it must be really encouraging when you t- your, your co-owners Michael Andretti and Zach Brown believe that you are going to help strengthen the team. So if they believe that, you can you tell us a couple of things where you will strengthen the team? What what are you bringing to the table? Um, I think. Yeah, there was a lot that went into it. There was a lot of talk with um, the WA, you guys on the driving style of Chaz um, and my driving style and what I wanted to achieve in my career and, and what that team wants to achieve. And, you know, we all kind of landed on the same page. And, you know, I'm not saying myself and Chaz drive it exactly the same, but, you know, from what I'm hearing and what we spoke about, you know, without anyone having information on each other, it was actually a very big eye-opener to say, you know, Chaz looks for similar things to what I'm... I'm talking about um, obviously in a different car, but it's that was a big, a big thing for me. So I think for them having two guys pushing the boat in the same direction was um, pretty key. Um, and then for me, you know, I've worked extremely hard off track to, you know, stop the classic Nick blow-ups and you know try and have a bit better. Um, yeah, um, all that it's going to be better off track there and more consistent. And you know, I think the racing probably shows that even if I qualify. 15th, I end up somewhere in the 10 and they're thereabouts. So I think um, for them to have two consistent guys punching at the front and try and get after that team's championship is pretty big year one. Mate, um, it's, it's great you've got some honesty and, and realisation of some of the things that um, we do as race car drivers and you've you've realised and you're working through that. I, and also, it's I just uh, want to say it's it's uh, 
it's a big commitment from WAU, right, to, to change their model. Um, and obviously, we're having someone yep. like you, you know, that works really well. But their model, and no, this is no disrespect to Bryce Ford. He's come, he came into that team with, um, you know, with a limited amount of experience and, and very overwhelming in many respects, I would say. Um, but, you know, there was, a, there was some funding coming there with, with Bryce along the way. This is a big change for them to go back to a, a model where, you know, there's um, the need to pay you as a race car driver to do your job properly and, and um, you know, fund a two-car team, you know, back the way they were so used to doing it before. Yeah, exactly. And it, that, even that spoke, you know, very, like a thousand words, you know, the actions that I've heard from Ryan and Zach and Michael and, and Bruce, credit to Bruce, he's been amazing to deal with is we just want to win. We you know, that's, what they're trying to achieve, that's the whole goal, the whole thing. Um, and they're literally doing everything they can to get the right ingredients in place to be able to do that. So it's um, obviously, as a driver, that's all you want to hear. Hey, uh, so you're back racing this weekend. A couple of questions on this one. Uh, how bloody excited are you? And what's the, what's the key to being successful? Because the last time you were there, you won two races, race 8 and 11 last year. So uh, we could almost call this a bit of a fave for you. Yeah. I've always actually gone well at SMP, so um, yeah, first off, crazy exciting to be driving something again. Um, I got sick of sitting on a simulator or cutting laps in a go-kart, so um, yeah, I don't think, there's very none of us have really, since karting days, had that much of a gap between races. Um, mm. So yeah, coming back to Sydney Motorsport Park, where I got a few wins last year, is definitely um, super exciting, and for me, I don't know, I've always clicked well here, it's definitely... Um, high tire degradation track so maybe the way I drive the car is sometimes nicer on the tire in race trim so that helps and then last year and this year again there you know there's lots of different tires floating around and the way you choose to use them um, and how your car how hard your car is on the tires makes a big difference too so you know last year you know I ran similar tire strategy to the likes of DJR and Triple Eight, but sometimes when we'd reuse them, our car was actually just better on the reuse and there. So I guess there's something in the setup there too that, you know, BJR is traditionally quite nice on the tyre, so that definitely helps us in a circuit like this. Mate, um, just one last quick one. What's been going on in supercars and, well, in this giant break? Everyone leaving teams and going somewhere else. I mean, <laughs> no one's doing any racing and they've, all, and they've all decided to bugger off. Your engineer's leaving as well at the end of the year. Andrew Edwards going to, going to Triple Eight. Yeah, it's actually been crazy. Um, you know, for me, it was like a lot of kind of nearly like reflection and looking back and seeing what you can do to give yourself a better position. But there's some other pretty wild moves going on. We're doing Facebook back to MSR and engineers yeah. up and down pit lane and, and stuff like that. So I guess, you know, we all got bored, I think, <laughs> and where we could maybe land ourselves in a better spot. So it's, it's actually been crazy watching it. Um, it is. I obviously knew what I was up to, but then I'm like, holy hell, you know, Andre's leaving, this is happening, what's that? What is going on? We yeah. we love yeah, a good we love right. a good silly yeah. season, right? We love a good silly yeah. season. Mate, you're puffing a bit. Are you, are you ready to hop in that car? Is that track walk taking it out of you already? He's oh, talking. The, that, is that wind? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm inside now. <laughs> hey, uh, Nick, congratulations on the move. I know there's a lot, a lot yep. still to be done, but uh, we shall talk again. But the best of luck this weekend, mate. Thanks, Sorry, buddy. Thanks, guys. 7.46, Nick Perkett off to Walkinshaw and Dreddy United next year, but he's still got a, a year left with Brad Jones Racing. Stay with us. If you want to be a winner, 
Get on the phone now. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Could you win that Repco Bathurst 1000 Man Cave Pack? You could if you get on the caller, the caller, the phone line now. Back in a moment here on SENZ. 7.51, time to go to the phones. If you can tell us who's sponsoring the Repco Bathurst 1000 and the $800 Man Cave Pack, then you go on the draw to potentially win that ladder on this evening. Suddy from Tabuka is on the line. G'day, Suddy. How you going, guys? You good? We're, we're good, on, mate. Good. We're, we're on fire. How are you going? Yeah, not too dusty. I usually listen to your podcast like tomorrow in the truck when I'm working, but I, I wrote the number down and I thought, bugger it, I'll have a go. Good on you. For the prize. Well, that is the right thing to do, Suddy. So can you tell us uh, who's giving the prize away apart from us? Repco. Okay, you're in the draw Mate. just like that, buddy. What are you, what are you hauling? Um, containers from Fonterra. Oh, okay. What's in those containers? What do you think? Oh, you've got um, powder and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, okay. Now, Murph I is... think it's it's probably something to do with milk. I would I would suggest oh. this. Yeah, it is milk powder, uh, milk powder, yeah. milk powder. Yeah, milk powder. yeah. yeah I, I, I know oh, that, yeah. but I did actually want to know exactly what was going on. You know, study. Don't worry about that. Uh, anything you want to uh, talk to us about? By the way, now that you've got the cojones to ring us. Uh, no, I just like to say good day to Murph. I've met him a couple of times. I'm, I started the South Canterbury Holden Club down here. So um, oh. we've seen him a few times. And, oh. yeah. There you go. So how regularly so, uh, do you guys mate. meet? Uh, we met at uh, Ashburton for the 100 years of Smallbone. Then we moved. We brought the cars yeah, up and get a look around. Was that like, uh, oh, that's over two years ago now, isn't it? Is that like two yeah. and a half yeah. years ago or something? Yeah, wow. That was a great, that's and, a, what an amazing venue that, that was too. Where were we? What was that venue called? That was at Ashburton, uh, the... Something park, you know, with all the old vintage cars and fire engines. And, and the trains. Trains. Yeah. The trains, yeah. trains and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What a great venue that was. Fantastic stuff. Now, no, uh, it's been good, but... you're, looking, you're looking forward to, if you win this prize there, Sooty, you're looking forward to Bathurst. So you got your, got your garage set up for all the, all the gear that I you have. possibly could win. Well, you see, I worked at Fonterra. I've just shift, shifted jobs and I'm back driving for Tomoga Transport. And Fonterra, I was going to be working on that day, but now I've got a... You know, I'm not on shift. It's brilliant. I've got the weekends to myself. Watch Bathurst <laughs> ah, all brilliant. the time. Well done, my friend. Hey, Sonny, thanks for thanks for calling in, buddy. Keep your no, ear. thanks, guys. Appreciate the show. It's brilliant. Hey, mate, just keep your ear on the radio or the, if you're listening on your app tonight, mate, because by the end of the evening you could walk away with that pack, okay? So don't be a stranger to it, all right? <laughs> thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You're welcome. 7.54 here on Race Control. So you could be like Suddy in Tamuka and be a winner before the end of the night. Murph, uh, I noticed that Nick Perk had uh, to- reminded us, of course, Jack LeBrock has gone across to Matt Stone Racing on a multi-year deal to... Uh, why are you shaking your head? Yeah, I, I'm just in um, um, disbelief of the, really? the shuffle. It's just oh. a shuffle. It's they're all shuffling around for no good reason, really. I think it's... Um, <laughs> I think a lot of it is is to do with uh, who needs uh, some financial support and, and oh. how it all, all plays out. But it's it's a you know this with Andre going to Brad Jones Racing and then you've got Todd Hazelwood leaving Brad Jones Racing, going back to Matt Stone. to uh, Matt Stone Racing. I mean, it, it's just uh, yeah, it's a it's an incredible shuffle and. Yeah, they've all got their reasons, but I don't see them as, as being overly beneficial in too many ways. Um, Perkett would be the big one, eh? Perkett would be the, if you're yeah, going to talk, is, if you talk about game changes for a team, that could be yeah. it. Well, and, you've, and you know, and, and 
they're having a switch basically yeah. uh, between Nick Perkett and, and Bryce Ford. Uh, Bryce Ford leaving WAU and and uh, m- meandering over um, up the road to Albury to Brad Jones Racing. So uh, and Nick, yeah, but Nick Perkett for me, I'm really stoked about that announcement and that it's happened because that is going to create a bit of a super team there, um, as he said, Chaz Molstead without question, one of the best drivers in the field. And uh, Nick's going to learn a lot from him. And uh, together they will be a uh, significant pairing. Significant interview after 8 o'clock as well from Pit Lane, MotoGP's Pit Lane, our very own Simon Crafer. And we talk to three-time WMX world champion. That is our very own Courtney Duncan. Stay with us right here on Race Control on a Thursday on SENZ. That's what we like. We we can we can go across many diverse musical genres. That's a band called can Migos. We? Yeah, we can. That's Migos called Motorsport. Ever heard of that one? No. Hey, you're listening to Race Control with the old bloke Murphy and the younger one McIver. That can actually. Oh ex- my God. Really? <laughs> uh, your chance to be a winner as well on 0800-150811. If you can tell us who's sponsoring the Repco Bathurst 1000 800 dollars prize pack. And also have a bit of a chat about motorsport. Last week, we got really excited on our Sky Speed program and the week of of our show last week here on Race Control, the fact that we were saying to Courtney Duncan, if you win your third straight world championship title, we're going to talk to you. And she's going to talk to us, aren't you, Court? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, wow. Matt. <laughs> she's excited. Yeah, you're, ex- wow. you're excited to talk to us again, aren't you? Hey, congratulations. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm pretty stoked. I'm not going to lie. Three in a row feels uh, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty okay, good. I don't think you've had it. I don't think you've been drinking enough Monster Energy there, Courtney. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure even if it's fully sunk in yet. Like, the initial feeling's good, but I'm sure in the weeks to come when things have slowed down a bit that uh, you'll stop and realise that it's pretty good. Just um, give us a rundown uh, of what it was, you know, you, you, we spoke to you just the other day, other week and everything, but when you arrived at the racetrack and started mm-hmm. to get that prep going, how was the head, how was the concentration? Give us a bit of a run through of the weekend. I mean, you 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 finished third in the, in the first heat and then just smashed them in the second one. That must have been a huge relief getting it out of the way in the first race. Yeah, like you say, um, to be able to clinch a championship in Moto One was, uh, yeah, it was cool. I was not expecting that. I don't think anyone was expecting that. I didn't have, you know, quite enough points to think that was doable. But um, yeah, well, like you say, I was able to get that done. One of my competitors made a mistake on the first lap, which um, gave me an opportunity to do that. So just looked at the pit ball pretty much the whole race. Kind of knew where I was sitting. Didn't know I had the championship won, but knew I was making good points for the next one and it was like three corners to go before the finish the last day at the football said yeah 2021 world champ and uh yeah it was like holy that was crazy and then a bit of a celebration and then kind of hits home and you're like shoot we've still got one more race to go yet so um it was cool though that last race to win that and go out with a bang on the season was yeah awesome 
Uh, mate, we are incredibly proud of you because you're a friend of the show and you don't mind giving us a little bit of j- mm-hmm. j- jip along the way. Uh, but you've said mm-hmm. there's more to come. You're not satisfied. I mean, how how hungry are you? Yeah, no, for sure. There's there's still things to improve on, and um, coming into the next year, I still want to be a whole lot better than I was this year. And uh, yeah, there was mistakes made this year, you know, that probably weren't good enough. So uh, I need to clean my act up a little bit there. And uh, but yeah, for overall, I'm I'm still stoked, right? Like to win a world championship, and the result is yeah, amazing. Give us give, give us a bit of a rundown. You just said you know there was mistakes made and you, there's things to improve on. And, and listen, we we mm-hmm. you, you've always got to be looking to improve. That that's where a sports mm-hmm. person never sort of rests on laurels. But but tell us mm-hmm. what what those things are that you that you've isolated as as being areas of improvement and those mistakes. How do you how do you eliminate those? I mean, in, in a sport like motocross, I mean, it's mistakes are yeah, made constantly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Like it's hard to it's hard to kind of explain them, but I guess like you say, there is the races always unfold differently, so there is always going to be mix, mistakes made. But um, for instance, the crash in Spain was there was no need for that. You know, I ripped the tear off on the wrong part of the track and flung me over the handlebars. Could have been season ending. So just things like that. Maybe a loss of concentration and a couple of times, but. Um, Loma was really tough, obviously. If it's on the calendar, I just need to pack up and head to Belgium a little bit earlier or uh, find a sand track back home and do a bit more prep than that because I struggled there and it would be nice to have a bit better performance. Hey, um, you spent a lot of time at the High Performance Unit in Otago. How much Mm -hmm. of a difference has that made to your season? Yeah, it's been awesome having, you know, being able to train in high performance and having their support and um, obviously have a trainer there and stuff. So, uh, yeah, no, for sure, the strength's got a bit better and um, just they're able to find kind of different ways to improve and get a bit more creative and stuff like that. So I'm sure we can get, once we get home, we'll, we'll keep getting better there too. Hey, I'm, I'm interested to um, understand uh, the rest of the field and uh, obviously very strong competition, but who who do you see coming through maybe next year that's um, new to the class at the moment that is going to be maybe someone to put pressure on, on you more so next year than this year? Um, it's always hard to know. Like It just depends on their off-season, really. Some people surprise you and... And some people don't. So it's hard to kind of judge. But, you know, there's definitely some young girls coming up that are good. And, um, yeah, no, it'll be sooner rather than later. And I'm sure they'll be knocking on the door. But um, hopefully we can keep them at bay for the meantime. Courts, you're a really humble champion. And, and we, we, you've, you're humble genuinely. But the one thing that you do need in any high-performance sport is a really tough mental strength how much do you work on that and how much help do you get to make it so yeah like you're asking the athlete the the mental side is super important especially at that international level it can be the game changer really um for me i don't get any help specifically but i do a lot of study around it you know um other great athletes are kind of 
just observe what they do and how they do it. Um, but, yeah, no, there is quite a lot that goes into it. And I think naturally my mental skills just from a young kid, even back in the day, I had that kind of desire and um, and a belief in myself. So it probably stems from back then and, and you just continue to work on it to get even better. Well, it uh, sounds like you, you do deserve a holiday. You're sounding a little bit tired, but uh, what is what is now? I mean, have you got um, any ability to get back to New Zealand anytime soon? Is is there anything like that happening? Or, and, and or what is the, the process if you can't? Yeah, no, there's no spot for me to come home yet. I've been trying each week and I've missed out. So it's been frustrating. Although I did wake up with some texts this morning saying that They've cut MIQ down to seven days, so I'm not sure if that's going to help push things through a little bit quicker. I'm hoping so. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, the odds of getting home aren't that high, to be honest. Like, just 30,000 going each week for 2,000 spots. So, um, yeah, it's just lottery, isn't it? It's um, It sucks. It really does. And yeah. I'm desperate to get home. I want to get home. I'm kind of like, the season's done now and I'd be on my way home. So it's sort of hit home the last few days that I'm not yep. able to come home. But um, I'll keep trying. Yep, you just keep trying. Uh, are you still in Are you still in bed? I know it's about 8 o'clock in the morning over there. You still nah, in... No, no, no. I'm, I'm actually sitting outside freezing because we're in the Alps, but our service is, like, really bad here. So the only place to get <laughs> speaking was, outside. like, outside the door. Are you, <laughs> you, know, are you, still, in, are you still in Italy? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, still in Italy. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Well, oh, that's that's lovely. Okay, well, you better go have a short black or something like that just to warm yourself up and uh, get. And thanks for sending. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for freezing for us. No, anytime, anytime. Hey, congrats once again, Courtney. We are, yep. we are the both of us. We are super pumped. We are for in you. awe. We're in awe. Awesome. We're in awe of what you've so done, much, and, guys. And... We'll catch up. If... We oh, we will catch up, mate. Take it easy and good luck for getting home, okay? Courtney Duncan, three-time WMX World Champion. Oh, man, you are so right, Murph. I thought she was in bed. She was half asleep. But you know what? I think the realisation, as she said, yeah. that she can't get home, I think we were hearing that in her voice. I think it's really knocked her for a sixer. Well, uh, and, and why wouldn't it be? I mean, she's not the only one at the moment, um, you know, especially after what she's gone through and what she's achieved this year and, and uh, she's over there representing New Zealand and doing it at such a high level. And, and, and what do we do? We say, well, no, you can, you can stay where you are and, and wait. It's, um, I can only imagine what that's feeling like right now. And, and, and with no, no knowledge, nothing locked in at any stage uh, that she can see to be able to get on a plane and, and head back. We, you know, uh, I'm depressed for her. I am. Yeah, it's it's tough, and I, I haven't actually read into this whole halving of the MIQ and what does that mean, and does it break up spaces, and is there any ability for home isolation? Because people like Courtney, if they could do that, um, that would be well, absolutely rip out. I I don't know the details, so I can't comment on it at this point. But you know, we've we've got to move forward. I mean, if she I, actually, I don't know. Is she is she double vaxxed? I'm assuming she is. Um, you know. We're doing we're doing the things we're supposed to do, yet we don't get a, any sort of a benefit from it in that respect, and um, that's got to change. Yeah, but you know what? Aside from all of that, because it's the world we live in at the moment, the fact that this little girl from Dunedin is now a three-time world champion should not be overlooked. And I'm not even going to go bother about the old Halberg's bollocks because you know that's for me that's not important. But she should be celebrated somewhere along the way, right? 
She should be celebrated. Celebrate it. Celebrate, celebrate it by giving a spot in MIQ. That'd be a great thing. <laughs> anyway. All right. This is Race Control. Hey, hey, settle down. 8.11 on Race Control here on SENZ. If you're listening in Australia, be listening on the app on SENZN or on SENZ's app here. Just download it. You can listen to all the podcasts. In other words, all the replays of the interviews and the full program at any time you like. Now, if you want to be a winner, 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 chicken dinner, now is your chance. Get on the blower 0800 150 and you could win before nine o'clock this evening that Ripco $800 Bathurst 1000 prize pack. I said it slowly so I didn't stumble. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't and you didn't make it worth a lot more than what it actually is. No, yeah, I right. didn't. So get on the blower now 0800 150 We'll have a chat. You tell us what you want to talk about. Give us the answer to the question and you're on to win here on Race Control on SENZ. 8.16, the question is this. Uh, who won, or should I say, who's supplying the prize pack tonight for the Repco Bathurst 1000? Jim's on the line. G'day, Jim. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? We are fine. Can you tell us who's supplying the prize pack worth $800 for the Repco Man Cave? I would have to be Repco. Brilliant. Just like that, you're in the draw, mate. Where are you calling from, by the we way? We make it tough. Tamuka. <laughs> oh, what's going on? Tamuka. Oh, Tamuka again. You just listened to the show, are you, boys? Uh, Jim from Tamuka. I, I text in quite a bit. Oh, okay. So we, we like people talking to us, which is yeah, why boy. we are so happy that you rang us, Jim. But we've got to keep moving because we've got a pretty special guest on the line. So uh, stay with us, all right? Have a good night, boys. Yeah, thanks for calling, Jim. Hey, thanks, Jim. 0800 if you want to get into win that Repco Bathurst 1000 prize pack. But now it's time to go a long way away. Go! Eight seventeen. He was known to ride a Honda. He was known to ride a, a ride a Yamaha, but Honda. He, he did okay. That's our very special guest, all the way from Andorra of places. Simon Crafer. Good evening to you, and welcome to Race Control here on SCNZ. Hello. It's actually morning here, so I'll, uh, that sounds weird. Good evening, but yeah, great. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for giving me a bell. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Simon, uh, Stephen McIver here, Greg Murphy, who you've been chatting to before. Uh, I've got to ask this question. Go, from what, where you have started to now being in the thick of MotoGP, how good is life? <laughs> it is. You're right. Um, uh, there's some bumps on the road, though. I mean, I was, like I've said before, I think I've, I, I spoke to you guys a couple of years ago, and when I first got this job, I thought, uh, it would be easy, you know. I already know the paddock. I know the sport. I've ridden at that level. Won at that level. I thought, how hard can it be? And um, I was saying to Greg Murphy yesterday how wrong I was. The, it was like any time you go and learn a new trade, the first couple of years are hard and full of mistakes, you know. You've got to make them all to learn from them and prepare, you know, to know what's coming, you know. And, and that's what it was like the first couple of years. It was horrible. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it honestly, but I was, I was just stubborn, like um, Murph. a trait Greg or Murph will say that racers have. I was just stubborn and kept banging my head against the wall, trying to figure it out, trying to learn from mistakes. And honestly, third year, 
I really started to enjoy it. Fourth year, I'm loving it. Yes, you're right. It's a dream job. Um, and it, it comes across, mate, that uh, there is a very good supportive team around the paddock as well. The, the commentators are amazing to listen to. They, I, I think they probably yeah. are the best commentators in the business. And and obviously, the, the support from everybody that you work with is must be must be amazing. Um. The commentators, I totally agree with you. They're amazing. Steve Day, he um, used to race like at kind of club level um, and then uh, got into it, the commentary, because his father runs a This Club series and said, look, we're out, we, our commentator's sick, you do it. He turned out good and he kept running with it. Ended up working for Eurosport. And now, but the other guy, uh, Matt Burt, he's an amazing uh journalist you know lots of years experience he's like an encyclopedia so the two guys bouncing off each other are fantastic and really good for me to work with i just kind of support them with the the tech stuff and what i see going on from the writer's point of view but um when you say support otherwise we're just left to it really we just go and do what we want to do (laughs) (laughs) i'm not kidding well, so what? So what? There's three of you. You get no sort of what I would call production support from the people you work for. Uh, not that I know of. Like <laughs> we, <laughs> we, like, wow. like the, the, I think they they get some. We get the odd thing in our ear, like to say, "Oh, Lorenzo's here." You know, he's in the Yamaha garage. Uh, I was like, "Oh, great!" You know, so I wander down there and talk to him. But r- literally, we're left to run with it. The guys in the box might get more than me. But that's it, really. And um, sometimes you scratch your head, but mostly I love it because um, who wants your boss constantly telling you what to do? Yeah. It's great. Yeah, no, I, know? I, I hear that. I hear that. Look, we've got so much to talk about. So I, I've, you are blessed to be in, uh, around some of the most talented athletes in the world. But for you, Gifted. the end of Rossi being on the grid, how does that impact you? Um, well, it, it, as you know, it's tapered off, you know, the Rossi um, mania because of his results, you know, and I don't mean anything negative by that. I, I actually am a Rossi fan. I love the guy personally um, and what he brings to our sport. Just, it's not, you know, when you're seeing a guy in 20th uh, doing his little routine before he gets on the bike, it's not as cool as it was when he was winning, you know? <laughs> you know, it's crouching down. and It's just how it is. The, the, I mean, life's not really fair in, and, and sport, this especially when this one, old. is damn cruel. Uh, yeah, it's cruel. So, I mean, I think he has achieved incredible stuff, like more than anyone in my lifetime anyway. Um, so the thing is, he's run on longer and being able to adapt to different classes, you know, 125, 250s, 500s, all two strokes, then MotoGP, um, you know, it's through the different classes and uh, meaning it going to 800 and then 1,000 and one and all of them, he's amazing. But uh, what I believe is at a certain age, you stop being able to adapt like, the, like young people can. You get stuck in a way of doing something and it's really hard to change yourself. I experienced that. You know, change tire brands after I'd figured out how to use one brand and go really good with it. I couldn't change me at 30, you know. And I believe that's what's happening now. Um, he, the young guys are being able to um, 
use motorcycle setups that get the most out of the tires, which is the most important thing, uh, they can, the young guys can adapt themselves to use those setups and make them work. And Valentino can't. That's what I believe, you know. And I, I just recognize it from, you know, another example is the two factory Ducati guys last year, Danilo Petrucci and um, the awesome Andrea uh, Davizioso. They, yeah, I mean, you you know how good they are. They changed the rear tire construction. They had to change bike setup to use that tire. They couldn't adapt, you know. And the two young guys, Jack Miller, Pico Banyaya, did. So what do the factory have to do? They've got to put the young guys on there that can use the setup and material. And I think that's the same thing that's happening to, to Valentino slowly, bit by bit. Yeah. I mean, he, he leaves such an amazing, just an incredible legacy that will never be forgotten. Yeah. He's an absolute superstar, and and he's obviously going to be spending a lot of time around the paddock with uh, with the race team that he's that he is um, involved in, and going to be in, uh, involved in next year. That's very very exciting. What about uh, let's let's talk um, Mark Marquez? Uh, I'd love to get a bit of insight in, into into that man and and what he is, what he means, and just how he how he does what he does. Yeah. Sorry, we're having a little bit of interference there. I think I caught all of that, Mark Marquez. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we'll, carry we'll on, Simon. Yeah, carry on, Simon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh well, where do I start? I mean, Mark is the scariest. I think the most dangerous. Meaning, when you look at him as an opponent, you know he he's scary. You know, like because he's he's so again so determined. So uh, I would go as far as saying ruthless. Um, and so skilled, you know, he's brought another level of riding ability to the sport, I believe. Like, well, I think everyone will agree with that, what he can do on a bike. And he's starting to be able to do again after his injury. Uh, yeah, unreal. He doesn't always come across as the nicest fella, like for us journalists to interview. Because, again, he's kind of like McDoon was in his uh, peak, you know. he He's just, grits, you know, always kind of gritting his teeth even if he's not showing it you know he's like he's, <laughs> he's like they're pretty hard like um but you, you've got to respect it he's he's unreal and i think he's going to be a real danger well especially when honda sorted out yeah. you know like last year and this year their bikes haven't been i would say haven't been competitive really you know everyone else has made step forwards and again figured out how to use this new construction rear tyre, and Honda haven't, you know, and they, they are that little bit behind, and that means a lot when the grid is so competitive. So their riders have been struggling, but Mark and occasionally Pole have been doing something really special, you know, and I think when, when Honda sorted out, which I believe they will next year, next year's that um, the, the freeze comes off, development freeze, you know, during covid that they've had on engines. They've basically said no one can change your engine except Aprilia because they have the... Yeah, so um, so when that freeze comes off, I believe Honda will make a good step forward because I think, I can't prove it, I don't know it 100%, but I think part of their problem, which is, you know, which is rear grip, entry, mid-turn, exit, I think part of their problem is engine. 
And so when they can change that, I think they'll make a good step forward. Oh, you don't have to tell us everything, but you can give us a little glimpse into it. Don't go anywhere, Simon. We're going to take a wee break and come back to you in Andorra. By the way, what's the tax rate like there? I hear it's pretty low. Um, What tax rate? <laughs> no, no. It's, 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 <laughs> uh, good answer. 10, 10%. Yeah, oh, it's pretty good. That's yeah. terrible. Stay there. We're talking to Simon Crafer, uh, expat doing such, such great things in the pit lane of MotoGP. This is Race Control on SENZ. Stay with us back in a tick. 8.32, we're talking to uh, MotoGP Pitland reporter, but actually a very accomplished rider in his own right, Simon Crafer, the expat who won the 1998 500cc British Grand Prix, which was the sort of precursor to being called uh, MotoGP. We've got a new champion, Simon, in Fabio uh, Quattararo, uh, El Diablo. How good is he, but how good can he be? Well, it's a good question. Um, he's always been super talented you know he's come through the smaller classes uh was kind of thought of as, as the next you know valentino or mark then he had a really rough time in moto 2 and these guys took a gamble on him kind of on his past and you know his glimpses of brilliance uh, meaning patronus took a gamble on him and they wow he's done as you know amazing things but he had weaknesses in, in the early, you know, the first couple of years because he's so young, like he's only 22 now. So at 20, um, he'd, you know, throw the toys out of the pram when things weren't going right and lose focus a bit. Uh, also, Yamaha had a couple of problems uh, last year. The 2020 bike didn't give him the front feel he wanted, so he could ride it sometimes, not others. Then Yamaha sorted that out at the beginning of the year, but the other piece of the puzzle was, Fabio sorting himself out, which I really didn't know if he could do or not. I was watching, in, you know, with interest. Um, and he, like, he's literally gone to a psychologist, you know, sports psychologist to help, you know, be more mentally strong, how to cope with, you know, pressure, problems, you know, work around them, work with the team. Um, and hats off to him. He has been fantastic. And not just from everyone's point of view. The impressive thing is the other Yamaha riders, you know, I listen to all the debriefs normally every night of every rider. Um, and the other Yamaha riders go on about what amazing things he's doing on the bike. You know, and when you get praise from other riders, he really is doing some special stuff. And if he's showing, I think, you know, he's showing that he can adapt himself and learn and you know improve himself i think yeah he's going to be around for a long time you, you mentioned uh before the break there about the the freeze coming off the development freeze coming off um and yes. the likelihood of uh the likes of honda obviously all the all the factories doing what they need to do to keep that improvement going um yes. has yamaha got got that that ability to provide him with what he needs yeah, they've really fig figured out the chassis. Just from my point of view, looking at it, now the, the steering head area on the frame, to, you know, where the, where the front forks bolt into, you know, steering head, it looks so similar now to the Ducati. So they're obviously, in the, I think they're the two strongest bikes at the moment. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing, the thing we won't know is how biggest step they make engine-wise each manufacturer that's you know we won't know that till we'll kind of see it at Jerez test which is right after the last race at Valencia and then 
properly, because I'll have the whole winter, we'll see it at Qatar, you know, pre-season tests for next year. But the interesting thing is how much all of the manufacturers step forward, each one, but also Aprilia, will Aprilia get left behind again, you know, because Aprilia have done an amazing job this year. Like, technically, they've made the biggest step, but also um, they were allowed to, you know, because they have the concessions, you know, if you haven't got a certain amount of podiums and wins, you that manufacturer has help, you know, they're allowed to carry on developing to, to close the gap, and they did close the gap, awesome job, but will the rest step forward and leave them behind again, or not, you know? You, um, I love listening to when you do uh, your updates on the bikes, and you know, the frame changes and, and which rider is, is on the new chassis or stuck with the other chassis and, and all that kind of stuff, which which must be, I mean, you've got to have an eye for that detail for sure. But but the amount that goes on week to week in that space and, you know, adding pieces of carbon fibre here and all that kind of stuff, I mean, does it, I mean, do you get, are you blown away by how much of that stuff goes on between race meetings? Yeah, like I would say, especially KTM, they because they're based in Europe and they are really serious about winning. You know, they throw a lot at it. You know, where it's I've got to be fair to the Japanese and say it's harder for them. You know, like it takes time to you know get the information back, work on it in Japan, ship it. You know, compared to seven hours with uh, KTM's bases from Mizano, you know, that's it's not saying they can be home on Sunday night, you know. Um, the thing is, yeah, KTM are really determined, so it's impressive how much new uh, equipment they bring, you know, at, at each race. And, you know, I can only tell the visible stuff, uh, whether, you know, with bike setup, with components, but there's obviously a lot of other things that go on electronic-wise that I can't see. Even rear suspension linkages are very hard for me to spot because some of the bikes are well covered up in that area. Ducati, you can't see that area, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's a heap, you know, all fork internal stuff for shock internal, I can't see that. So all of the components, yeah, and I feed that back to you, but you can imagine what else is going on, you know. Yeah. Hey, hey, Simon, what about the one rider that I really want to see go super well, but he, he feels like a bit of an enigma, Jack Miller. What do you make yeah. of Jack Miller? Um, well, I mean, without exaggeration, the whole paddock loves Jack. You know, he's got such a cool attitude, treats everyone. He doesn't act like a star at all. You know, he's like a snob before. He's always cool. Um friendly I, I i love him you know and yes we all are worried about the same we want him to have the results so he keeps that job you know and he has got the speed as just it doesn't quite well this year it hasn't quite what, what's the word um added up to the results that he can do like uh I'm just trying to think. America, you know, Austin, that was a classic example. He was fast all weekend, but he also, yeah, it did just, you know, some of the times he's been let down, uh, I would say more than half, by components, you know, on his bike, you know, and, um, you know, from the technical thing to a black ground thing to, you know, but 
the ones that it hasn't been let down, that still Jack has missed some, you know. And I think that is the yeah, that's the worrying thing. Yeah. So I I really hope he he um you know what I mean. He's got next year, and I hope he does enough between now and the end of next year to keep that job. The old uh, the old teammate scenario there is 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 so tough, right? I mean, you you. You know, number one, you've really got to try and beat your teammate. That's where it stands. And, and uh, the the rise of Pico um, has yeah. put so much pressure on. I mean, watching him, I mean, just tell us what you see. I mean, I, we watched him on the weekend, unfortunately, fall off on that um, that hard front tyre, which you and I spoke about in detail a little bit yesterday. Um, but yeah. just that the rise of Pico Bagnaia in that on that Ducati has has been mesmerising. He he's a real talent, isn't he? And the factory are very excited about him, you know, because he can do, um, like I was explaining before, you know, he's one of those young guys that can get something more, adapt himself and get something more out of what he's got. And, um, I mean, every manufacturer wants a guy like that on the bike, you know, on their bike, making it look better than even it is, you know. So, or ride around problems, uh find ways to ride around or use setups that other people can't. Um, he's one of those. He's, he's magic and he's lovable. He's a really good fella. Um, the thing is, uh, he was. I think he's pretty shy and he didn't show that all the way through Moto2, meaning show his personality all the way through Moto2 and his first year in MotoGP. And now with a bit of confidence and stuff, you see the real Beko come out. And it is the real one he's showing. Um, and uh, he's real, real good fella. A lot, lot to him, you know. Um, so yeah, superstar. The, the danger again for Jack being beside him is also guys like Jorge Martin, you know, on yeah. on factory equipment. Um, you know, sometimes Giant uh, Sarko. But the young guys, Jorge Martin. I shouldn't be. I should be more fair to Giant Sarko when I say sometimes. First half of this year, Giant was fantastic. Um, but. Guys like Jorge Martin are so young in their rookie year, uh, mm. you know, and he's been amazing. He's super fast. Like with another year's experience, you'd pick that he's going to be a real danger for Jack, you know, Jack's job. So, And then they've got more guys like Bastianini, um, mm. uh, then a new guy coming in next year. Uh, Bezzecchi, he's a little, another Italian star, and an Italian manufacturer's going to want, ultimately, Italian boys riding their bikes, you know. Uh, it's just how it is. The Italian guy's making the decision. So, yeah, anyway, uh, in fact, the Ducati factory, I think, are in a real good place. Their bike is great, and they've got a bunch of talent coming through. Hey, hey Simon, you, you mentioned a lot of young, a long, lots of young riders come through, and we we lost a young rider in one of the moto classes this year. And and Murph, Murph raised a really interesting question uh, on one of our shows. He talked about the fact that you know how young should they should should a lot of young riders be allowed? Are the fields too big? Where do you stand on this? These these huge grids and a lot of young young boys out there. Yeah, I I um was a bit hesitant to get involved in that debate because okay. um, I said to my, no, no, I mean, I'll honestly say what I think, and I, but the problem is I haven't ridden those classes. You know, I started uh, not so much later, but uh, just riding around on proddy bikes at 15, you know, uh, when I went from motocross to road, um, it wasn't rammed 
uh, meaning the grid was spread out, you know, time-wise. It was guys from, you know, fast to me wobbling around, you know, middle to two-thirds way down and spread out. So by the time I was older, well, faster, I was older, and, you know, I haven't experienced what these young guys are doing, so I can't give advice on what I think should happen in there. And I've never worked in a team that is racing in those uh, small classes, so I hesitate to say, oh, I think you should do this, because it's, you know, I'd rather listen to the guys that are actually riding in there and working in there, you know. And um, one other thing is, yes, I agree about the age riding the big tracks, because the big tracks are fast, and if, you know, um, I know for sure, because I was the same, that at a certain age, you don't know what danger you're putting yourself in and you don't really care, you know. So to make it a little bit older, I think it was a good move. I just don't think it's going to stop the danger. It'll only stop, it'll only make it more likely that the rider knows what he's risking, you know. Um, I think the problem is uh, we all want closer racing, you know, and the racing has got closer and with that comes danger that you can't get rid of in motorcycle racing is you fall off and someone runs you over, you know? And the closer it all is, the more chance, you know, of that. And I don't know how to fix it without, you know, making the racing worse. That's amazing. Yeah, hey, uh, mate, um, huge insights in, uh, into what's going over, on over there. We um, we genuinely uh, love love the show that you guys put on love listening to you doing doing your job uh moto gp is 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 just staggering to watch i mean it is just it's chaotic out there not knowing uh from weekend to weekend you know what's going to happen and in, in some of the racing that how close the fields are it's just staggering so long may it continue <laughs> dawner are doing a great job aren't they so um uh, let's hope that, yeah. uh, that that continues to be the case hey great to talk to you guys and thanks for letting me run with it i was Caffeined up. I've been out polishing my car uh, this morning early before breakfast. Oh, your new car! We, <laughs> and, uh, we didn't talk about your new car. Uh, what's, oh my what's, goodness! Okay, what's the car? What's the car? Oh, I forgot. Uh, it, it's a Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio, which is a uh, basically yeah. is a kind of like an M3 uh, yeah. Italian version of that, Hot. but with a Ferrari engine in it, and it's like <laughs> 510 horsepower standard. What color? What it, color? It, the color's key. The color. Oh, you is should key. see the color. The colour is beautiful. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a real kind of... It's called Montreal Green. I, I had to ask the dealer after I bought it what it was called, because someone was asking. But it's like a metallic, really bright kind of green. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I kind of... I'll be honest, I don't... I'm not... I didn't buy it for the colour. It's the handling. It's unbelievable. Like a go-kart. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, just one giggle for you. Um, I've always been motorcycles, of course. You know, my, my life is motorcycles. Um, and I've always told my boy, who is car crazy, sorry, sorry, uh, Murph, but I've told him the truth in that four wheels are fantastic if you don't have the talent for two. <laughs> and uh, uh, and as I'm getting good. older, I realise that uh, if I if I keep on riding on track and track days and trying to drag them there, they're, they're not joining me. So I'm joining them. My wife is crazy on cars, my daughter and my son. So I've joined them. Oh, mate, that, that is, that's the best story I've heard in a that's long so time. Good. And I love a man that keeps yeah. his car clean. Simon Crafer, thanks so much for joining mate, us. Thank you so much, bud. 
Uh, great to talk to you. There Bye you for now. Bye now. Simon Crave. <laughs> wow, put you in your place. Stick it here. That's it's 8.47 here on Race Control. Coming next, we'll announce the winner. That's right, the winner of our $800 Bathurst 1000 Repco Race Pack. 8.52, time to get to the line and see who's won our Repco Bathurst $1,000 Man Cave Pack valued 1000 now. Has it gone up to $1,000? No, I, I, I said... Oh, Okay. Hey, Suddy. How you going, guys? Mate, have you you know you said to Murph before that you had space in your man cave for some, some goodies, right? I did, yes. Yep. Well, they're coming your way, my friend. Congratulations. Um, awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Do you know how to play, really good. Do you know how to play bear pong? It's our pleasure. Uh, yeah, I've played it a few times before. <laughs> How good were you, you sound, though? You sound like it. You sound like a professional, mate. You sound like an absolute. No, professional. oh shit, mate! I tell you, oh shit! I got off my face. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, just, just one final thought. Uh, Can you remember at this point who's giving you the prize pack apart from the boys on Race Control and SENZ? Ripco, Ripco, there, guys. There uh, we go. Ripco, bring in the Bathurst. Bring in the Bathurst, baby. Oh, I just like to thank you guys for um, putting on for our Holden Club. Uh, for the Nationals at Easter time on the Sky Show too. Thanks a lot. It's, it's I appreciate called, that. Uh, okay, so if you could say Sky Speed, we'll be even happier. Sky Speed, yeah. There you go, Sonny. <laughs> Have a great night, mate. Congratulations. Yeah, it's thanks on, a lot, it's guys. on its way to you. Cheers. Okay. Hey, just a reminder too, tomorrow, 3.15 on Sky Sport 5, practice one, the Bunnings Trade, Sydney Super Night. We've got a couple of minutes, Murph. I've got one text that's come in. It's from Donkey in Martin. Uh, Murph, what needs to change to take New Zealand motorsport to a higher level like cricket and rugby? Mm, New Zealand motorsport. Yeah. Uh, what what needs to change? Question this, to answer. Well, you've got ninety well, seconds. It's, it's the profi- it needs to be professional. So it needs to be a professional sport to be able to do that. So people need to get paid, not just the teams. The you know it needs to be drivers that can be paid, and that that takes a takes it to a whole other level where you need television to be to be involved, like they do in Australia with media rights, those kinds of things. There needs to be a, a whole lot more money invested in it. Um, the right class that people want to watch. You've got to yeah. you've got to have something that people want to watch that's entertainment that's why supercars is so popular because it's exciting the right cars the drivers and it's not just about the cars it's personalities as we know as well so 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 this new super gt idea where they're going to have reverse grids you know does that excite you is that something they that is in the right direction um listen no disrespect to what the super gt is going to be because the cars are fantastic but it is, it's not aimed at professional drivers necessarily. You're going to have a lot of uh, owners, drivers in there that own the cars, that are driving the cars, and, and I'll say no disrespect, but they're gentlemen drivers. They're not, they're not going to excite yeah. you know, the fans. They're, they're not names. It's not Shane Van Gisbergen, and it's not Andre Heimgartner. It's not, it's not Jamie Wincup driving those cars. And, and that's where you've got the problem. If, if, if you had what we had at the New Zealand Grand Prix, with a whole bunch of names, known names, and a whole lot more coming back to New Zealand and spending the summer driving Super GT, driving GT4 cars yeah, and Porsche okay. 911s, GT3s, then, yeah, it would be sensational. But that's just the, the fact of life, and that's just the way it works. We're not professional. We don't have the support, the backing, the money to actually do that and, in this country. And, and for me, I think Motorsport New Zealand has to have a firmer hand in the direction as well, right? Not be, not potentially... Well, yeah. Need to make some decisions, some 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 better decisions about that. So. We're done, mate. That's another show. Excited about Beth. Uh, hard to sorry. believe. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. But Simon Crave and all our guests outstanding. Don't forget tomorrow, Murph will be locked at the screen at 3.15.
on Sky Sport 5, practice one, the Bunnings Trade City Supernight. Cannot so wait. So good to have it back, Stephen. So good so to good. have it the VH Gives us back. something to talk about next Tuesday on Sky Speed. It does, and on Race Control here on SNZ. Don't forget, look at the go and check out the podcasts on SNZ or the SEN app, wherever you are around the country, and uh, enjoy them. And we'll enjoy having your company again next Thursday. See ya.